Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine for week three in our series, Starting Over. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. How many dog lovers do we have out there? Dogs can be great pets. They can be trained to do some amazing things like this. Isn't that amazing? I love watching videos of dogs racing through elaborate obstacle courses, weaving in and out of poles, running through tunnels, and leaping over fences. And dogs can be pretty smart. I once had a dog that knew she wasn't allowed on my bed, so she would wait until I was in the shower and then sneak into my room to jump up and roll around on my pillows. Naughty but smart. But as amazing and intelligent as dogs can be, they can't get anywhere. However, don't we tend to do the same thing with our regrets? We all have regrets, and too often we hold on to them and get stuck in the sorry cycle, an endless loop of longing and regret, longing and regret. It can feel impossible, maybe even unthinkable to let go. And so our regrets become an obstacle in our lives, keeping us from moving forward. Our current series is all about breaking free from the sorry cycle and starting over. It's about realizing that regrets don't have to have the last word. They can actually become the starting line to a new future. Now, last week, we talked about the first step in breaking the sorry cycle. It's to recognize your regrets, looking your regrets straight in the eye and facing them head on. We introduced you to a guy in the Bible who faced his regrets. His name is David, same guy who wrote a lot of the songs that we find in the book of Psalms. David is the the king of Israel and called a man after God's own heart, and yet he royally messes up. One day, he sees a beautiful woman, Bathsheba and decides that he wants her for himself. Just one problem, she's married to one of David's best soldiers, Uriah. But that doesn't stop King David. He abuses his power and sleeps with Bathsheba. And when she becomes pregnant, he has Uriah killed to cover it up. Well, David continues like nothing's happened, taking Bathsheba as his wife and spending his days in denial and distraction. But one day, God sends the prophet Nathan to confront the king. Nathan exposes David's sin. And at this moment, David has a choice. Figure out a way to shut Nathan up or own up to what he has done. Well, thankfully, David chooses the latter. He takes the first step towards starting over. He recognizes his regret. But here's the truth you and I both know. Recognizing our regret isn't enough. Last week, we introduced you to Greg and his story of regret and starting over. Greg had become addicted to drugs and alcohol at a very young age, and his choices had ripped apart his family. When we left him in part one of his story, he had just moved to Chicago, where he was making his first attempt at getting sober. Here's part two of Greg's story. 
In moving to Chicago um, and living with an aunt who was in recovery, even though I wasn't that attracted to the idea of, of AA meetings and recovery meetings, it was the only option that seemed available. So I found myself uh, beginning this path of recovery in Chicago. I stayed sober and um, a lot of great things happened. My family got back together. I graduated college and it was great. You know, all these good things happened. I felt very at peace with who I was and where, where I sat in the world. And so I'm mistakenly thought that those feelings of insecurity and those feelings of being lost and all that confusion that I had growing up was the reason I couldn't drink like other people. And so I thought since I'd solved these issues, uh, obviously I had solved any problem with alcohol or drugs and I can now go out and have a beer with a, and, with a person and it wouldn't have any power over me. So I was probably about four or five years into sobriety um, that I made a conscious decision to do a little experiment and see if I could drink again. There were three rules that I had. Uh, one rule was that I was only going to have three drinks. So I decided that I didn't want to go home with a stranger that night. Um, so that was rule number two. But rule number three was that I wanted to make it to work the next morning. So three drinks, no going home with strangers, and waking up and going to work the next day. And so what happened was I have no idea how many drinks I had. Um, I don't have any idea what her name was, and, um, and I did not make it to work the next day. So I'm drinking all the time, um, but I'm not really ever hitting a bottom because I have, I mean, frankly, because I, I have all this stuff, I have all this money. I don't know how long that would have continued on. Um, had I not been tricked into trying cocaine one evening. And by tricked, I mean I was drunk, and someone laid out a pile of cocaine, and I did a big Stevie Nicks rail, and instantly I knew this was going to be a problem. And the thing about cocaine, and, uh, and later on crack, is that it will instantly, no matter how much you have, it will take it away. And I'm kind of feeling at a loss of not knowing what to do. And so I called a friend of mine, uh, Grant, and I saw that he had something that I didn't have. He was open to talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about God. He suggested that maybe I should try going to a church. And so I was out in a treatment center in Oregon and they would you know, bus, bus us to church on Sunday mornings. And so I decided to go with them one day and I hadn't been in a church for a very long time. And they began talking to me and making me feel welcome and inviting me to small groups. And I explained that I, I'm not going to live here, that I'm you know, going back home to Chicago. And um, the couple that I was talking to said, oh, that's great, we have a daughter that lives in Naperville. Um, you should probably talk to her. She happens to be visiting this weekend. Turns out she goes to the very church that I was thinking about going to check out, and she invited me to, um, to come by. And I, to this day, I have no idea who she was or who they were, um, none, I, I don't recall, but that began me coming back to church and, and finding my way back to God. Not only am I not drinking and doing drugs, but I've now found my way back to God. I'm attending church. Um, my career is great. It's never been better. Uh, I'm serving with the high school students, and, uh, and I end up meeting a girl there who's today my wife. Uh, so frankly, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I mean, things couldn't get much better than, than they were going. And so I forget to pay attention to the fact that even though everything's good, there's still certain things I shouldn't do in life. And suddenly I find myself thinking, uh, as we're out to dinner one night, um, that maybe it's a good idea if I order a glass of wine with dinner. 
Honestly, that was the beginning of a very, very long and ugly, painful cycle in my life. That glass of wine quickly became cocaine and that quickly became uh, heroin. I found myself at a place that I just never thought I would ever get to. And that's alone and homeless and hurting everyone that ever comes into contact with me because they try to help and I just, I just break their heart again and again. Recognizing your regret isn't enough. Maybe your circumstances are different than Greg's, but most of us know what it's like to cycle through longing and regret, longing and regret. If we're truly going to break the sorry cycle and start over, we have to take a second step. That step is to release your regrets. In order to move forward, we have to let go. But how? As I was pondering that question, I thought of an experience I had a while ago. I was in the middle of doing laundry when my dryer quit in between loads. That's always the way it goes, isn't it? I pushed the button to start the dryer and all I heard was a dull buzzing sound and the dryer wouldn't start. So I did what I always do when something breaks around my house. I turned to Google and I typed in, what's wrong with my dryer? When something is broken, help sites usually lead you through a list of troubleshooting questions to pinpoint what might be wrong. And here's where I'm going with this. Regrets signal that something is broken in our lives. Something didn't work the way we hoped or the way it was supposed to. And now we're left with a problem. Today, my prayer is that we can troubleshoot our regrets together. Let's ask some questions that might help us better identify the problem and figure out what we can do to release the regret. Our first troubleshooting question, question number one, do you regret hurting someone else? Our regrets can seem harshest when they involve other people. People can be mean. And I'm not talking about just any person. I'm talking about me. Something I've realized about myself is that when I'm upset, I often won't address the situation head on. Instead, I'll stuff it down. But inevitably, a moment comes when my anger rises to the surface and some kind of passive, aggressive, sarcastic remark slips through my mouth and shoots an arrow into another person's heart. If we use our troubleshooting guide and realize our regret is something we did that hurt someone else, we need to ask forgiveness from the person. It's so easy to talk ourselves out of this, though. It's awkward. It's humbling. Sometimes we're afraid that we've damaged things beyond repair, and fear will be rejected if we attempt reconciliation, so we just hold on to the regret. To release it, we have to ask the person for forgiveness. In Romans, Paul is writing to Christ followers when he says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. To release our regret, our job is to ask for forgiveness. Could the person we've offended hold a grudge? Yes. Could they not accept our request to be forgiven? It's always a possibility. We can't control how the other person reacts. But when we've done all we can do to live at peace, we can release it. Do you regret hurting someone else? 
ask forgiveness from the person, and then release it. The second troubleshooting question we can ask, question number two, do you regret committing a sin? Our modern culture often rejects the notion of sin. Many people balk at the idea that there's some kind of moral framework that should govern our lives. And yet, as New York Times columnist David Brooks points out, religion may be in retreat, but guilt seems as powerfully present as ever. Brooks argues that that most people still carry around this this sense of guilt. Most people still feel the, the weight of sin. He writes, people have a sense of guilt and sin, but no longer a sense that they live in a loving universe marked by divine mercy, grace, and forgiveness. There is sin, but no formula for redemption. And so most people carry around their regrets with no idea how to release them. Author and pastor Rich Velotis reminds us that at its core, sin is a failure to love. God hates sin not simply because it violates the moral law, but more centrally because it breaks relationship. When we sin, we, we turn our backs on the God who loves us more than we can ever comprehend. The God who wants the best things possible for our lives. Sin puts distance between God and me. David understood this. That's why he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Now we might think, no, David, you sinned against Bathsheba and you sinned against Uriah. And while that's true, David understood that there was an even bigger reality. He sinned against God. He failed to love the God who loved him by deliberately choosing the way of sin. He put distance between himself and God. So how do we release this regret? We ask God for forgiveness. Maybe praying to God isn't something you're used to doing. Maybe it is. But for all of us, we can. Out loud, silently, or through writing, we can ask God for forgiveness. That's how David released his regret. Many scholars believe David penned Psalm 51 following his encounter with the prophet Nathan. In it, he writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Do you hear David owning his sin, owning the wrong he committed against God? He asked God to help him start over as he writes, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. In this prayer of confession, David recommits to his relationship with God. If you don't know how to ask God for forgiveness, try praying David's prayer in Psalm 51. It's a beautiful, honest prayer of release. And one more thing. The Apostle John reminds us when we confess our sins, God will forgive us. The sin is gone. God no longer recognizes it or associates it with us. We need to resist picking it back up again. Do you regret committing a sin? Ask God for forgiveness and then release it. 
But maybe your regret is not a sin that needs forgiveness. Maybe you haven't hurt anyone, but you still feel the pain of regret. The third troubleshooting question we can ask is question number three. Do you regret making a mistake? Maybe you had a hairstyle back in the 90s that you really regret. Maybe you ate Taco Bell at midnight and it came back to haunt you. We all make mistakes, but I'm not talking about mullets or enchiladas. I'm talking about the mistakes that can be hard to get over. A number of years ago, I wanted to do a good thing to help a friend out. She'd been super busy and had a lot going on and was preparing to host a party at her house. And I knew she was out running errands for the party, but still had to clean her house. So I decided to sneak over and clean her house for her. I had just finished vacuuming all of the laminate wood floors when she got home. And as she walked through the door and looked at the floor, rather than looking happy, she looked horrified. Apparently, I had vacuumed with the carpet setting on the vacuum instead of the bare floor setting. And even though I couldn't see it, she now saw small brush marks all across the floor. And I was sick. Even though she rebounded and told me it wasn't a big deal, I just wanted to crawl into a hole. When we make a mistake, we may feel the need to, to punish ourselves, to beat ourselves up. We haven't sinned, but we still feel awful. We never meant for it to happen, but it did. So how do we release this regret? Well, you decide to never go over to your friend's house again. No, I'm kidding. When you make a mistake, you need to forgive yourself. Stop playing the story over and over. Stop dwelling in the if-onlys. It was a mistake. Mistakes happen. Do you regret making a mistake? Forgive yourself and release your regret. The final troubleshooting question is a bit different than the first three. It may be that it wasn't something you did or, or didn't do that is the cause of your pain. The regret you hold may be because you've been hurt in some way. Question number four, do you regret being hurt by someone or something? Maybe someone wasn't paying attention behind the wheel and caused an accident that totaled your car. Maybe someone wasn't there for you at a time when you really needed a friend. Maybe you were harmed at the hands of an adult that you should have been able to trust. This type of regret can lead to shame and, and bitterness. As I was thinking about all the hurt we cause one another, I thought of the collective trauma we've experienced with so many mass shootings in public places over these past decades. And then I thought of one of these incidents in particular. Do you remember the Charleston church shooting, which happened a few years ago? Dylan Roof walked into Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church and horrifically gunned down nine people who were at a Bible study. And at his bond hearing, he heard from the victim's family and friends, but what they said to him took my breath away. The family spoke the truth in that courtroom, but they also extended forgiveness. A daughter of one of the victims said, I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. And God have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgives you and I forgive you.
it can feel impossible. And in most circumstances, it takes time and a lot of work. But to release the regret of being hurt by someone or some circumstance, we need to forgive the offender. This is absolutely easier said than done. Our humanness wants justice. We, we often are filled with so many questions that, that feel like they need answers, but holding on to our hurt only keeps us from moving forward. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How do we forgive someone who has hurt us? We draw strength from the God who has forgiven us. Sometimes in our pain, we start to question God's goodness, but God is never the author of evil. He is never your enemy. He feels your pain right alongside you. This is not a time to run from God. It's a time to run toward Him. He wants to heal your heart. Maybe like that amazing woman in Charleston, you need to speak words of forgiveness to someone. Or it may be that for one reason or another, it's not possible or wise to speak to that person. So perhaps releasing your regret could start with writing a letter, sitting down and getting your thoughts on paper, writing out your point of view and the pain you want to release. You may never mail this letter. Sometimes just the act of writing can be therapeutic in your journey toward healing. Do you regret being hurt by someone or something? Forgive the offender and release your regret. We all have regrets. And forgiveness is the answer in every troubleshooting scenario. Did you actually know that in the original language of the Bible, the Greek word for forgive literally means to let go of, to untie, to release? The image the word conjured up for first century people was that of a debt, where one person was in some kind of bondage to another, and they would need to be forgiven or released from the debt in order to be free. And that is why forgiveness is so essential to us today, too. We need forgiveness to be released from our regrets. By now, I'm sure you have at least one regret that is heavy on your heart. Let me ask you, how far into your future do you intend to carry the pain of your past? In fact, I'd like to ask you to, to hold your hands out in front of you and clench them into fists as if you were holding this stick, as if you are holding on to your regrets. And then join me. Take a deep breath. And then open your hands to let go. Starting over. It's for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you're holding on to, you can live a life beyond regret. It starts with a decision, a decision to not let the pain from your past influence your future anymore. Just as David had to decide to, to stop 
and call out to God to release his regret. We must decide to stop and call out to God to release ours too. Make that decision right now, not later this afternoon, not next week, not next year. Don't let the pain of regret go any further into your future. Make the decision to let it go. Imagine with me for a moment, the regret that you have carried is lifted. The story that you play over and over in your mind just stops. See yourself moving forward free. You don't have to stay in the sorry cycle of longing and regret. You can release your regret and start over. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for every single person that is listening to these words right now, that whatever that regret is that they've been holding on to, whether it's a regret of action, something they did in action, something they wish they did, or reaction, something that was done to them. Lord, I pray that in this moment, by the power of your spirit within us, you would help us to release that regret to you so that we can find freedom and start over. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, who has all power and authority that we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.